Leviticus chapter 6. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone sins and commits a trespass against Yahweh and deals falsely with his neighbour in a matter of deposit or of a bargain or of robbery or has oppressed his neighbour or has found that which was lost and lied about it and swearing to a lie, in any of these things that a man sins in his actions, then it shall be. If he has sinned and is guilty, he shall restore that which he took by robbery, or the thing which he has gotten by oppression, or the deposit which was committed to him, or the lost thing which he has found, or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full, and shall add a fifth part more to it. He shall return it to him to whom it belongs in the day of his being found guilty. He shall bring his trespass offering to Yahweh, a ram without defect from the flock, according to your estimation for a trespass offering to the priest. The priest shall make atonement for him before Yahweh, and he will be forgiven concerning whatever he does to become guilty. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Command Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering shall be on the hearth of the altar all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall be kept burning on it. The priest shall put on his linen garment, and he shall put on his linen trousers upon his body, and he shall remove the ashes from where the fire has consumed the burnt offering on the altar, and he shall put them beside the altar. He shall take off his garments, and put on other garments, and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. The fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it, it shall not go out and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. He shall lay the burnt offering in order upon it, and shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings. Fire shall be kept burning on the altar continually, it shall not go out. This is the law of the meal offering. The sons of Aaron shall offer it before Yahweh, before the altar. He shall take from there his handful of fine flour of the meal offering, and of its oil, and of all the frankincense which is on the meal offering, and shall burn it on the altar for a pleasant aroma, as its memorial portion to Yahweh. That which is left of it, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. It shall be eaten without yeast in a holy place. They shall eat it in the court of the tent of meeting. It shall not be baked with yeast. I have given it as their portion of my offerings made by fire. It is most holy, as are the sin offering and the trespass offering. Every male among the children of Aaron shall eat of it as their portion forever throughout your generations. From the offerings of Yahweh made by fire, whoever touches them shall be holy. Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, This is the offering of Aaron and of his sons which they shall offer to Yahweh in the day when he is anointed one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour for a meal offering, perpetually, half of it in the morning and half of it in the evening. It shall be made with oil in a griddle. When it is soaked, you shall bring it in. You shall offer the meal offering in baked pieces for a pleasant aroma to Yahweh. The anointed priest that will be in his place from among his sons shall offer it. By a statute forever, it shall be wholly burned to Yahweh. Every meal offering of a priest shall be wholly burned, it shall not be eaten. 
Yahweh spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and to his sons, saying, This is the law of the sin offering. In the place where the burnt offering is killed, the sin offering shall be killed before Yahweh. It is most holy. The priest who offers it for sin shall eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place in the court of the tent of meeting. Whoever shall touch its flesh shall be holy. When there is any of its blood sprinkled on a garment, you shall wash that on which it was sprinkled in a holy place. But the earthen vessel in which it is boiled shall be broken. And if it is boiled in a bronze vessel, it shall be scoured and rinsed in water. Every male among the priests shall eat of it. It is most holy. No sin offering in which any of the blood is brought into the tent of meeting to make atonement in the holy place shall be eaten. It shall be burned by fire. So in this chapter 6, we have the rest of the discussion about the, the guilt offering. So the, the chapters don't line up ni- nicely with the offerings. So in chapter 1, we had the, the burnt offering. Chapter 2, we had the meal offering. Chapter 3, we had the peace offering. In chapter 4 and half of 5, we had the sin offering. And in half of 5 and half of 6, we have the guilt offering, which is what we're talking about right now. So the guilt offering was an offering which required restitution to be made. Certain things that people did which had harmed others, you had to make the matter right with that person before you could bring the offering. So in certain other types of sins, you could just come to the Lord and make your offering and be forgiven. But with certain other things, you had to make restitution. So for example, you know, if you borrowed someone's car and you smashed it up, it wouldn't be just enough to say sorry and get forgiven. You'd have to replace their car first. And then if you said sorry, you'd be forgiven. So there's this, this is a type of offering that requires restitution to be made. And it's also, it's also representative of Christ in that Christ, in going to the cross, he wasn't only just saying sorry to God on behalf of us all and being a sin offering. He was also a blame offering for us as well because he was actually, his life was the perfect life lived. He actually fulfilled the law and made restitution to God with his life. So like if we tried to make restitution to God by making up for what we've done, we couldn't do it. In fact, if we tried to, if we even thought we could, it's kind of like making out that God's, the Lord's sacrifice is worthless. You know, it's, it's, an, it's an offense really to try to pretend that we could make up for what we've done. We can't. But Christ did. Christ made up for what, he, what we could not do. He is our guilt or he is our blame offering. And um, so, but along with this offering comes this idea of making restitution. And there are certain things that you have to do. This offering couldn't be offered without restitution being made. And so even though what I said is completely true and we cannot make up to God for what we've done, the Lord still wants us to make things right. So for example, if you've sinned against a person, you've done something wrong, the Lord wants us to put these things right. If, you, if you've um, been stealing from someone, you need to go make it right, return what you've stolen. And so this is what it means to be a New Testament believer. 
But some people think that because we live under grace, we've just got to say sorry to God. We don't have to do anything. We can live however we like. God will just forgive us for whatever we want. And people who think like that cheapen uh, God's sacrifice. They cheapen the cross because they treat it as though it's no big deal. We can live however we want, but it's not, it's not giving the proper respect that's required to what the Lord has done. And um, there's a story in John chapter 8 of this woman that was caught committing adultery. And this woman is brought before Jesus and the chief priests and the law say that she's supposed to be stoned according to the Old Testament laws. And um, they ask Jesus, what do you want to do? And Jesus' response is, because he knows the law. He knows that she should be stoned if she's done the wrong thing, but he also knows that grace is also a thing as well. And he himself is the fulfillment of the law, but he's also, the book of John tells us that Jesus Christ was grace and truth. And so Jesus says, if anyone has committed no sins, they can throw the first stone. And because everyone there has is you know, it, it, it makes no sense to blame someone else and demand their death when you yourself are a sinner too. You may as well demand your own death. And Jesus was smart enough to get around it. So this is the grace. The grace of the Lord is such that if anyone has committed no sin, they can condemn you. And of course, Jesus has committed no sin and he could condemn, but he didn't condemn the woman. He says to her, neither do I condemn you. Then he adds on a bit. Go forth and sin no more. And this is where the requirement to live properly before God still is a thing. Jesus isn't saying, oh, I don't condemn you and then go and live however you like. No, that's not true. As Christians, we're called to live holy lives for the Lord. But some people treat it all as though it's no big deal. They think they can sin however they want. They can even deliberately sin. It doesn't matter. The blood of the Lord is going to just cover us up. So who cares? We're, we're fine. And I suspect that people who think like that are not even saved because they don't have an appreciation for what Jesus has done for them. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 26, it, chapter 10, verse 26, it says that if we deliberately keep on sinning, no sacrifice for sin remains. In other words, if our attitude is that we don't care and we're just going to do whatever we want, the Lord just withdraws his forgiveness from us and there's nothing for us. That's a terrible, terrible place to be. So we always have to remain in this place of awareness of what God has done. And even though we can't make full restitution, Jesus does it on our behalf, we strive to live holy lives. So when we come to ask the Lord for forgiveness, we also say to ourselves, is there anything I need to make right with people around us? We're not making it right with them because that's how we're going to get forgiven. We're making it right with them because that's the right thing to do and it's what the Lord would want us to do and because we are now learning to love and care for others too. And so um, this is all the blame offering in, in a kind of a quick overview. It's an offering where you bring to the Lord, but at the same time you make restitution. A New Testament word for this would be repentance. In other words, we come before the Lord and say, sorry, but we also resolved to put the matter right. 
we're going to try not to do it anymore. There's uh, one little interesting line in this chapter, and it said that the fire on the altar must never go out. I don't know if you heard me. I read it. It's in two of the verses. And um, it was talking about other things. In the second half of chapter 6, it was talking about, it started talking about the, the rules for how to dispose of the offerings. So when you've got all these offerings going on all the time, you've got leftover animal parts all over the place. So you've got to dispose of them, and they had rules for it. So some of them were burned on the altar right there in the temple. Some of them were burned outside. Some of them were just disposed of outside of the temple or outside of the, the city. So there were different rules for how you would dispose of all these animal parts. And, um, but, but it says that the fire on the altar must never go out. And Aaron would put and the priest would put fresh wood on it every morning. There was a group of Christians that lived in the 1700s called the Moravians, and they started a prayer meeting that never stopped for over 100 years. And they had taken this verse as being representative of our prayers. And they felt that the Lord was telling them that their prayer must never stop. You know, like the fire on the altar must never go out. So they started this prayer meeting, and between them all, they weren't all there all the time, but between them all, they were there all the time. So they had people there at 3 in the morning and 5 in the morning and people there at 10 and 11 at night. They would take turns. And this prayer meeting never stopped for 117 years. And I think there's something wonderfully inspiring about that. And um, I think what the Lord... And the truth is, of course, between the body of Christ around the whole world, prayer does never stop. The fire never does go out. But it's a reminder to us to be people who are continuously praying. As we go through our day, mindful of the Lord, thinking of Him, thinking of others, always in prayer. And you know, we are priests according to the New Testament. So we're people that must maintain our prayer lives and keep them continuously going. So we learn in this chapter that, that we need to be people who repent, not just say, I'm sorry. We also learn that we need we are people that need to be prayerful continually. So Lord, help us with these things. Help us to be people who repent and help us to be people who are continuously prayerful. Lord, we're your priests. You said in the New Testament that we're a royal priesthood. So help us to, to serve you um, in the ways that these Old Testament priests represent, represent that. So Heavenly Father, I ask for grace in Jesus' name. Amen.